From the farmland of South Georgia, you're listening to Way Down Deep with my sister, Elizabeth Cantrell. People say there's no place like home, and for me, that is definitely true. My husband, two boys, and I live in southwest Georgia, surrounded by dirt roads, pine trees, peanut, and cotton fields. These are the stories of why we moved back home and why we choose to stay. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us this week on Way Down Deep, the podcast. In this episode, I read Snow Globe. And at the end, Jamie and I talk about the magic that was our first year in Washington, D.C., our very first snow and lobster bisque for Thanksgiving dinner. Snow Globe. A year into our marriage, Jamie and I clearly had very different expectations. Things weren't going well. At a very naive and relatively sheltered 23, I expected a 1950s Leave it to Beaver episode. I've never asked Jamie what, if anything, he expected. In retrospect, it had to be something like Porky's, but with a wife. We were growing up. And even in the best of circumstances, growing up is hard. So when Jamie was offered a job in Lorton, Virginia, he accepted it immediately. In fact, he didn't even come back to Georgia from his interview. It was our shot. He knew it, and I knew it. Two weeks after he began his new job, we moved into the most beautiful 700-square-foot, one-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment either of us had ever seen. Within three days of moving, I had a job with the U.S. Senate. We had arrived. It was just the two of us in the beginning. We didn't know a soul. Weekends, we would sleep late and window shop in Old Town, Alexandria. We had double-decker movie days, seeing movies back-to-back and then enjoying a late supper in Sherlington. We strolled around museums and galleries and locally-owned shops, feasted on foods we'd never heard of before, attended cocktail hours, fundraisers, and black tie parties with newly made friends. For our first Thanksgiving in the city and celebrating alone, I made lobster bisque from a recipe that I'd found in the joy of cooking and served it with a pomegranate and starfruit salad. When Jamie's mother found out, she cried. D.C. made my heart beat faster. It was loud and fast with rushing people speaking with accents and languages, both lyrical and discordant. Traffic pulsed, cars honked, tires squealed, sirens wailed, buses barreled, pigeons landed and flew, landed and flew. I often read on the metro ride to work, but mostly I watched the people hustling and bustling. Most every day, the man wearing the koofy cap played his shiny saxophone in Columbus Circle in front of Union Station and orchestrated my morning walk to the Dirksen Senate office building. Lions of political celebrity roamed the Capitol then. Walking to the office one morning, I recognized Representative Henry Hyde, who still reminds me of Sam the Bald Eagle. We were walking in tandem, his shock of gray hair blowing in a crisp spring breeze. 
Once inside the Capitol on an errand, the elevator doors opened, and standing right in front of me was Senator Ted Kennedy. I can only pray my mouth didn't fall open, although I'm quite certain it did. Another day in the staff cafeteria, I stood in the salad bar line behind Senator John Kerry. He needed carrots. My eyes were opened to possibility and opportunity, sentiments most certainly reinforced by stark white marble monuments jumping off the pages of our middle school history books and into the reality of a deep blue twilight sky. I was hopeful and proud and optimistic. With an enormous mass of sweaty, smelly humanity, we attended 4th of July fireworks on the mall. We'd been to the Tidal Basin and marveled at the cherry blossoms. By Christmas, Jamie and I had toured all the monuments at least 10 times, but we had not yet seen snow. The days were shorter. The cold was hard and the Atlantic wind merciless. Our lips were chapped and our noses red. The walk to and from the metro became a gauntlet. One evening after work, a group of friends decided that we should go over to the National Gallery ice skating rink. I'd never been ice skating. Jamie took the metro up from Virginia and met us. It was early, but dark and quiet. Under the gaze of the imposing and columned National Gallery of Art, tiny white Christmas lights sparkled from bare tree branches. The clouds were thick and low. Around the perimeter of the ice rink, light bulbs dangled in their ropey swags. Jamie and I, bundled in new heavy coats, scarves, mittens, and hats, fumbled with the laces on our skates. Far more coordinated than I, Jamie skated out onto the rink. His dark hair just peeked from under his knit cap. I stood full of trepidation, tiptoeing at the edge. It looked easy, but I was unsure. Jamie swooshed up to me and extended his hands. I held them tight as we creeped along together, skates slicing and clinking. I relaxed into his hands and looked up at him laughing just as Vince Guaraldi's Christmas Time is Here began to play over the loudspeakers. Within seconds, big, fat, soft, snowflakes began to fall. All was right with the world. We were skating together inside a snow globe. I fell desperately and completely in love with him again that night while the snow fell and stuck to our shoulders and we held each other and inched around the rink. We may as well have been the only two people in the world. It's been 18 years since our snow globe moment. Tonight, hard biting cold is slithering into the house under the mudroom door, and the dog barks at a phantom squirrel, and my boys are calling for supper and help with homework, and a story before bedtime too, Mama. Standing at the kitchen sink, with both hands deep in soapy water, I can clearly see those two young people skating hand in hand through quiet snow. And I smile that smile that only women understand and start making supper. Hey everybody, this is the discussion portion of our podcast for Snow Globe.
snow globe when we first moved to D.C. Well, our first snow, but it was a big, huge step for us to leave native our native Georgia. We had to leave our native Georgia at that time. Yeah, so the note I made was we were newly, we had only been married. About a year. About a year. It was not going well. You know, it seems like it went really well at the beginning and then... At about our 12-month mark, the wheels just fell off the bus. Well, and we were living, still, we stayed in the college town. We went to LaGrange College, so we stayed in the college town. Right. And we lived literally three doors down from my fraternity house. Which was a super help. And um, I guess I want to pretend like I wasn't married, and I would still go up and hang out with my buddies. Who and it didn't bother me at seniors. first. Like, uh, right. I didn't care. But long story short, we... Um, we got this opportunity. I found a job and applied, and we got to go to to move to the Washington, D.C. area. And it was, to me, that saved our marriage. Absolutely. Because it got us out of the small college town. We, we had no one up there. That's right. No family. It was sink or swim, and it was just the closest you and me, people babe. we knew were our friends Jason and Anna, who lived in Charlottesville. Um, and so... Um, so and to we, me, and to be fair though, like when we moved, we had a lot of people pulling for us. We did not keep our problems a secret. We told our parents we were having trouble. We told our closest friends we were having trouble. And, right. um, I think that's probably why when you found this job, because you went up and stayed with Jason and Anna in Charlottesville, right? interviewed for the job on Monday and you never came home. Nope. I mean, you took the job and you stayed there. I interviewed, actually interviewed on Saturday. The guy said, I'd like to hire you, but can, I need you to start Monday. So I went back and called you. I remember. And then Sunday night, I drove back up from Charlottesville and stayed in a Motel 6. I remember Because I knew too. no one up there. Because it was creepy. And it was creepy. And we were so poor. Like, I mean, this was a time we were making, we had zero, like, we were, what, I was, you were 24? I was 23? Yeah. So we had zero money. We were so poor, we didn't even have a, a cooler. I had a five-gallon bucket with ice in it in my hotel room. I remember that. That I stole from the shop where I was building sets at, the, at LaGrange College. So you know, when that all worked out, we just moved, bam. And I remember um, our first apartment. Yeah? It was... When we got to it DC, blew, okay, it was beautiful. It blew our mind. It was. It was... 700 square feet. Yep. But it was a, um, what do they call them? A hotel entrance. So you like key in with a code into right. a lobby that was beautiful. And then you take your key or your fob, like your security fob or whatever, and you wand in and put in your floor. Super so fancy like, for we us. We could not go to, let's, I think our, are we, were we on the third floor or fourth floor? It was really, we were third. on the yeah. So we couldn't go to like the second floor or the fourth floor. Right. We had to go to our floor. Right. And um, yeah, it was super fancy. We'd never been any, well, we never stayed anywhere that nice before. No. And it was, um, and it was like, it wasn't that much cheaper than what we pay for our house now. I mean, no, for 700 really. square feet, it had and a I mean, stackable. That was 20 years ago in Washington, D.C. <clears> so <throat> I want to say it was like, was it like nine hundred a month? Um, eight, eight something when eight we started, something like that. Yeah. So anyway, that 
to me, your story, this story, Snow Globe, is just about us moving to Washington, uh, a new start, and how it kind of really saved our marriage. You know, because feel- we didn't have any family, so we really, it, we really had to learn how to be married and live together and count on each other because we didn't have any. There's no one else around. Right. We well, made- and you know. It's such a love story, Snow Globe is. And you know, I remember when you called me, I was surprised. So when you went up and got that job, like when you interviewed and you got the job, I don't know if I've ever told you this. Maybe I have. I was really surprised that you called and asked me to come. Right. I thought that you might say that you were leaving and you didn't want me to follow you. And I remember telling your dad that. That I was surprised that you asked me to come. And I wanted to come. Yeah, that's, you know, that's funny because that, that never really, that never really occurred to me and that never really was an option. For you? To, yeah, I mean, I never, that, I mean, I, I never thought of not calling you or or, or, te- or of calling you and telling you not to come. Um, because what I saw was the opportunity for us to get. Out of there. Just get away. And then and do our our own thing, and it was great. And like in two days, you had a job on Capitol Hill. You I like, did. you literally three days. Okay, and so, you said so. We got up there, and you said, but "Hold on, hold okay. on." So because this this amazes me. So we, I called you a week later. You drove up two weeks, two weeks later. On Valentine's. You drove up with my parents. Yep. They got everything packed. You haul. You guys came up. You guys literally unpacked and unloaded most of the stuff while I was still working at the shop. Yes. We're at the job, I so I You're came. Sweet. I came in. Your sweet mom and dad. We were huffing it that day, man. And then they, and then they left and went home in yeah, a couple of days. And they did. And you were like putting stuff away, and that took a because the apartment was so tiny. Yeah, it was little. Like two but days you said, because you said Elizabeth, we're making. I am making more money by myself than we have ever made before. Right. And I want you to take your time because I had been working some really cruddy jobs. Right. I mean, we were was ridiculous right and so you said take your time and think about your resume and think about a job that you would really enjoy and you took all of like three days three days i got bored i was like oh my gosh i can't sit in this apartment all day long so i'm so i'm working in the shop building scenery um for the ford forge theater um at the time and you call me and you say, hey, I found this thing called the Metro, and it'll take <laughs> me to the Capitol in D.C., and I'm going to go to the Capitol and look for a job. I thought, oh, my gosh. They're going to laugh her out of the door. Did you really I just did Because it just sounded so naive, like this, I'm going to get it on the train and walk in. I know. and, and I, Like, I never, and my, I was probably very naive. And you went in, and you went to... to I literally walked i got okay so i put on my nicest outfit i remember that right because i was like i'm gonna go get a job today i'm sure they have one like right like, <laughs> okay hello Whatever. sir hello sir i'm here for a job I'm here and for that's the job pretty much what happened right. i walked at that point so this is pre-september 11 this is right after this is the year 2000 so i walked up the front steps of the Capitol, the iconic front steps. There was a security guard there. And I said, hello, sir. I would like to apply for a job to work for one of the senators from Georgia. Where would I do that? Right. And he looked at me like, I will never forget the look on that man's face. It was kind of like, 
I have heard it all. <laughs> like, okay. And like, you really were, you really had no, like, you were like. Had no clue. You you didn't, it never registered with you how crazy that might sound. Like, no. it sounded crazy to me, but also it might sound crazy to other people. Yeah. No, I thought, what's the worst that could happen? I and mean, to your credit. It worked. You. So he sent me over to the Hart Senate office building, which was across the street. It was kind of a long walk, but you know, right. for a girl who was wearing her best outfit and her high heels. Um, so I went over to the building, and I can't remember where the... I think it was in the Dirksen office building. Now I went to Senator Max Cleland's office. And I walked in the door, and I said the same thing to the 22-year-old behind the desk. I'm here to find a job. And she, now that was where I ran into a little trouble because she made me feel kind of stupid because she was like, you don't just walk in here and ask for a job. You go down to the Senate placement office and you hand in your resume and you take a test and you do whatever. And then you can apply for a job. And I was like, uh, okay. Down the elevator, you say? So I went straight (laughs) down to the Senate placement office, told my story to the lady down there. I mean, I had all day long. I had nothing to lose. I gave her my resume. When did they call you? Okay, when did they call you to tell you? Okay, so that was a Thursday, I think, Mm -hmm. like a Wednesday or a Thursday. I took a test. I gave them my resume, got back on the Metro, told you I was coming home to the apartment. Thursday night, Thursday afternoon. They called you? They called me. Senator uh, Judy Siegel from Senator John Bro's office uh, from Louisiana called, and she said they needed a receptionist. She had seen my resume, and I was from the South, and she said, I can already hear on the phone you have a beautiful Southern accent, which is what we need when somebody answers the phone in our front office. Can you come in tomorrow for an interview? And I was like... Um, of course I can. So I did the exact same thing I did the day before. But now they also did, did they not also tell you now if we get someone who applies from Louisiana? They didn't tell me that until, um, I had been like, it was, it was time for me to be hired. Like I got, I found out the next day. So I went back the next day, um, met with Judy. She liked me. She said, would you mind staying and meeting the chief of staff? And I said, no, I'm happy to do that. So I met the chief of staff and the chief of staff said, would you mind staying to meet the senator? And I was like, well, this is going very well. So I met the senator and that's a whole different blog post in itself because they were getting ready for Washington Mardi Gras. Oh yeah, definitely. That's a Lord whole. have mercy. Anyway, he was a, he was very gentlemanly and thoughtful. And I met the senator, and they said, "Can you start Monday?" And I said, "Yes, ma'am, I can." And, and so, so you started the front desk, and then from there you be, you just kind of moved up until I you did. eventually were one of his schedulers. That's right, assistant scheduler. So DC was great. It it was magic. We for us. um we love the city i never really quite got the hang of the city like you did because i wasn't there as much you were more i could never really drive in dc the diagonals direction the streets that run diagonally through the city completely blew your mind blew my mind but we did get very good at the metro and we had like our tyson's corner and going to the monuments or going to uh Cap City Brewery. Yeah. And in Sherlington. We had Double chops. Decker movies. Do you remember Double Decker movie? Yeah, day? so we did the thing when we cuz oh. you know, we were so young, we were young and no kids. We would do like Double Decker movie day where we would go watch a movie and then go, 
you want to see another one? And then we would just turn right around and go find the next movie and see two movies in one day. And then probably go to like Don Pablo's Mexican <gasps> Kitchen. That's the name of it. That's right. It was, And it was the best Mexican food we'd ever had. So it was... Chain. D- it was a total chain. DC was great. Magic. Um, it was complete and it was, magic. And, and prob- really the, the, the only reason we really left was when we had Jack. It just, it just really didn't make sense. Um, it was no family and... Well, I think we had, we were so in love with that little boy. And, you know, he was two. Right. And we just wanted, not only did we want Jack to grow up with his grandparents, we wanted our parents to grow up with our baby because he was such a gift. Right. So, yeah, we And also, this is probably another blog post, but we were there for 9-11 and that whole thing was. Well, it is a blog post, good and evil, I think sort of describes 9-11, but then after, or my experience of 9-11, a little. So we had we had 9-11, and then in October, Senator Daschle's office opened the letter with anthrax in it, and Senator Daschle's office was three doors down from our office right. in the Hart Building, and that was horrific. And then the D.C. sniper, I think that did it for you. I think the sniper did it. For that was you. pretty unsettling. Um, but all that was still way before Jack was born. We didn't leave till 2006. No, but I think it was cumulative. I think it all just kind of built up and we were like, mm. you know, I think it was. And I think part of it was, it was okay when it was just us we had right. to worry about. Right. But then, you know, it's funny now that we're sitting here talking about it, you know what did it for me? Because I was okay through all that with staying in D.C. because we loved it there. Right. Do you remember, I don't even remember the time of year, they had a blackout on the northeast, like on the seaboard, the seaboard, that's not right, the, the, on the north, in the northeast. It was like a huge corridor shut down. Hmm. It was I a blackout. That. Yeah, because your office was out of power. New York City went out of power. D.C. went out of power. And it was all up and down the eastern seaboard. And I left. Our building went out of power. I heard that a lot of people were out of power. And I was like, it's another attack. And I was on the D.C. side. But Jack was at his nanny's during the day. And he was across the river at the Potomac. And I realized in that instant... I would not be able to get to my baby if something happened. Right. And I think that for me was like, nope. Which was what this happened This is not going to work. Which is also what happened on 9-11 because you were across the bridge, across right. the Potomac. And I could not get into the city because everything was shut down. So I think all those different things, I think, kind of combined. I think you're right. Okay. So back to Snow Globe. This instance was the first time that we had seen snow. It was the first time that we had fresh snow that had fallen because when we came we went up there in february there was still some snow on the ground like patches of snow but we had never seen snow fall we had done everything else we had gone to the monuments at night we had seen we'd gone to cocktail parties we'd seen famous people right um our parents had visited you know, we had done all the things you're supposed to do when you live and work and tour and visit D.C., but we had not seen snow. Right. And so one night, our my coworker said they had just opened it, I think. I think it was new. It was a skating rink at the 
um, well, National they, Gallery. I think it was seasonal. I think they just did it. Right, but I don't know if they'd ever done it before. Oh, maybe they it, hadn't. Or I had never. I mean, maybe it was just new to me. I don't know. But we all bundled up in our coats. And, of course, all of our coats and stockings and boots, they were all new for us because we didn't have those kind of clothes. Right. So we had all these new clothes on, and we went um, to the National Gallery of Art ice skating rink. But you were like an Olympic gold skater. Like, okay. what was that about? I don't know what that was about. And I had never ice skated before. And it just, bam. It was, it just. It was DC it, magic, baby. It was. You put on those skates and took off like, look at me, swoosh. It was awesome. And I was like, what are you doing, man? Every time I've gone ice skating since then, it has yeah. horrible. Nothing. It's never really worked it, out like that. It never. We Like, we went a couple years ago with the boys. And yep. it's a wonder that one of us did not because Colin See, was hanging uh, on to me and we, now and we were, were even too doing, old like, the, like we can break our coccyx no, now but I went I, I went ice skating even before after not you know when we weren't as old and it <laughs> never went as as well as it did that well night. you were like amazing that night and you were like and you were so it was such a but it was such a beautiful night and I remember you took my hands and I got sort of comfortable. And about the time I got comfortable, we we sort of turned. The two of us went around this little... Do you remember this as specifically as I do? I do not remember. Really? As, I remember... I definitely remember the skating rink and right? the, being there with the friends and the night. I don't know that I remember this remember down to this turn. So we, we were getting close to the end of the... It was like an oval, I think. So we're getting mm-hmm. to one end of the oval. And we had to turn to go back. And I was a little nervous about the turn. And you just sort of turned me with you. And as we came around to see the ice skating rink in front of us, the music started, the Charlie Brown Christmas music. Oh, yeah, I do kind of remember that. Remember? Yes. And yes. I think it was Christmas time is here or mm-hmm. something. And the snow started to fall. Yeah, I remember the snow falling. And it was in our hair and on our eyelashes. And we were so in love with each other. And we had been given this beautiful blessing of a fresh start. Yeah. And I think it was at that moment, I'm pretty sure, I looked at you and I said, we're in a snow globe. Right. Yeah. And it it really was. Um, like it was magic, right? Did yeah, you feel abs- like it was yeah, magic? absolutely. And but to me, this whole like your whole story, snow globe, is like to me that kind of uh, sums up like when it was kind of clear. Okay, we've made the right move. Yeah, and things yes. are gonna be okay, and I, everything's gonna work out. We definitely, or I. But I, I think to be fair, you, we. Have I to felt s- that way within just a few days of getting there with you. Yeah, but yeah, but it was but it was always still that um, going back to your. Yeah. On your old post, that voice that kind of is like, well, yeah. did I really make the right thing? Is this stupid? You know, like, my mom was not a huge fan of the whole DC thing. They, they, I take that back. They were supportive about us going. It was like the times when we would call and we were having Thanksgiving by ourselves. Oh, but she was so sweet. <laughs> and the Thanksgiving where you told okay, her we... Okay, so you've got to tell her. You've got to tell just a tiny bit. I mean, because it's in the story, so we don't need to regurgitate everything, but... Well, it, it was, was our, our first Thanksgiving. It was our first Thanksgiving, and we were like... We couldn't like, go home. We couldn't go home, and we said, we're not going to do turkey. It's just two of us. So you made lobster bisque. 
from scratch. From scratch. Like, it was amazing. Which I loved. It was so good. We almost made ourselves sick on it. And I served a star fruit salad that had pomegranates. The only reason I remember that is because I had never cut a pomegranate before. Do you remember that? And you walked in that day and I was getting it ready. I was getting the pomegranate seeds out. And you had to thwack the back of a cut pomegranate pomegranate with a wooden spoon and it looked like it was spurting blood out like it was the grossest and i was like i can't this is awful it was such a mess so we did the thanksgiving call the family check in yeah with all of our family called my family my mom literally started crying when we told her we were having lobster bisque for thanksgiving like she really did. She, like, she, no turkey. No turkey. Like, no and it, dressing. But it, but it made no sense. The lobster bisque was amazing. It? it was the bomb. It was really good. Never made it since. And every and that and that is still kind of a joke in our family because yes. every now and then we're talking about. Hey mom, we're gonna have lobster bisque this Christmas. My dad is very come. particular about Thanksgiving. Let's just say that about having your dad's very particular certain recipe for the dressing and the turkey and all yes so every now and then we joke and say well, we're gonna, we're gonna have, have fish lobster bisque with fish and they're like no, no. but they're anyway funny. they I, were really sweet though i love this post it's thank you to you know one thing i, I will say is i th- and i'm not gonna speak for i don't know what other people do but you know even though we were having a really difficult time we were still pretty intent on not just like throwing our hands up and walking away i mean it would have it would have it would have been easy to do that i think um you know you're you're right but i think that moment came for me and you can cut this out if you want to in post-production or whatever but i think the moment when i decided i was not going to do that i think for you it helped remember okay Remember when you called your parents, you were talking to your dad and you were telling him about us and we were having Mm -hmm. trouble and you said that you thought you were going to move back to your mom and dad's house Mm -hmm. and your dad was like, no, you're not. Yeah, it's true. You're not coming back home. You're not going to work anything out up here. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You are not welcome up here. You stay there and you work it out. So I think your dad kind of put it to you like, get over yourself. Right. And my dad, I got home from work one day and my dad was in our driveway and he was, he wasn't furious, but he was upset and I invited him in, of course, and I could tell he was just beside himself. He was shaking and I don't remember a lot about what we talked about, but I do remember that he said, this is not the theater. This is not a play. This is your life. And you are making a huge mistake if you don't recognize that about yourself right now. That this right. is not, you, you You don't get married and then get divorced and everything's going to be fine. Right. This is a huge decision and you need to get yourself together. Yeah. And we did. And it was kind of like somebody throwing cold water on you and saying, what is wrong with you? Yeah. I, and, and we needed that. But I, but I think being that age, it's still, that is true. Both our, our parents were, were very good about that. But it still would have been easier to just, to, it, not easier. It would have been easy to just say, you know, well, they don't know what they're talking about. And I'm still, we're just not, we can't work it out. I, I just, it's to it me, it's a little bit, it it's a point easy. of pride with me that. It yeah, is but, a point of pride. And you know what I think too, especially now that we have boys, I think it's a testament. I think our marriage 
is a testament to our parents too, because I think they were able sure. to look at both of us who they both loved. I mean, my mom and dad loved you. Your mom and dad loved me. And I think they just saw us making a monumental mistake. I think they thought, you guys have what it takes right. to get past this. And if you don't, yeah, it's going to be a, a big mistake. I agree. We love you, mom and dad, on yeah. both sides. And I'm glad we stayed married. Me too. I love you. I love you. So um, I'll see you next week. I'll see you here next week. Thank y'all for listening to Way Down Deep, the podcast that accompanies my blog at elizabethcantrell.com. Sign up for the series and have the blog directly delivered to your email every week. When you have an opportunity, please go to iTunes and review and rate us so that we can reach as many listeners as possible. Thanks again and see you next week.